Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. All aboard! Welcome to a new episode of Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair. As everyone knows, I am not a huge fan of cancel culture. And I always have these really weird theories that when someone gets canceled in, let's say, wrestling or any other form of entertainment, it's usually because someone like um, wanted their job more than likely, they were jealous. And a lot of the times when people dig up things from people's past, like especially years and years ago to put it out now, that is called an assassination on their career. So I decided to bring on Brian Kendrick. Some of you know him as Spanky. Let's see what he has to say. From Memphis, what is it with Memphis and wrestling? Did you train it in like Memphis at, at some point in Tennessee? I did. So uh, I, I grew up originally born in Virginia, but grew up in Washington State. Uh, but there was a time when uh, developmental WWF uh, yes. developmental was in Memphis. Um, there's a it was one of the classic territories uh, run by the Jarrett's or I'm sorry, not by the Jarrett's by Lawler. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a it's kind of got its own style of wrestling even. That's interesting because a lot of people don't know this, but I actually worked for Terry Golden when he was running Memphis Championship. Oh, shit, that was my boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it was like right around the time. So I was in ECW, then XPW. I was going back to ECW. Then I spent like some time back and forth going to Memphis. So you work for Terry Golden, right? You work for Memphis Championship. How I was sure that? And how long were you there? uh let's see i always say it's about a year give or take you know a few months um i loved it it was it was uh it's the first time i was getting paid you know I was, I was paid to to wrestle for a living i was a young man um i gotta see the south uh, you know I, i'm a small town boy so everything was really um I don't know. I, I wide eyed and oh gee whiz. So I loved it, and I loved the barbecue. Um, I loved the people. I loved the pace and how slow and kind everybody was. Uh, I like that they say hello to each other. It's kind of it's a big it's a it's a big small town. That's so cool because I miss the barbecue. I think I miss like Bojangles biscuits. That's like my <laughs> biggest. Is that even around? Is that a thing, Bojangles? Or like I'm sure it's still around. It's gotta be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it was so different working in Memphis. And like the TV tapings were like such a big deal. It was cute. And what were you getting paid back then? Like 30 bucks, 20 bucks back then? I, I was I was under a WWF uh developmental oh, contract. Never mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I mean, for me, I was rich. I was making seven uh seven hundred and fifty dollars a week. So Ooh. I yeah, right. I mean, that's almost 40,000 a year. So I was I was living large. Yeah. Yeah, because like at the Indies, I remember guys getting paid like 25 bucks just to like show up and do a show. And you went through the Indies at one point, right? Like I did. And, and, and I'm back on them now. Yeah. It's different now. You are who you are now from like the spanky to everything else to being here, which is fine. It's acceptable because I mean, mm. a lot of cancel culture has gotten the better of us. Um, mm. I'm sure maybe it hit me in the ass too, but I don't give a fuck. 
Uh, so that's great though. So working for Terry Golden, that's like a name you don't hear anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And what was it like training with, um, with Shawn Michaels? That must've been fun. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a person I saw on TV. So, um, it's kind of surreal. It's, uh, kind of like a cartoon character and a lot of wrestlers are human cartoons. So I don't know. He, he was, uh, we had Rudy Boy Gonzalez, uh, was there every day. Sean was, was there except every day, except one day. Uh, so he was very serious about it, but, uh, what Sean provided for me was, um, he was real motivating in the fact that I've got to impress this guy. This is my hero. I want him to think I'm good. And so that was the most uh, important thing about him being there to me. That's so cool. I remember watching him like on TV and then like now you see it with sexy boy. I'm like, dude, change the music, right? You got to change sexy boy to something like, I don't know, sexy dad or some shit, <laughs> anything. Uh, I don't even know if he's a dad, but yeah. So I think Sherry Martel, do you have the old school like WWE entrance music themes? Do you have that at all? I know, I know the one you're talking about where, yeah. where she was the original, uh, yeah, uh, vocalist for. I love that version. Me too. Like so much has just changed with the regression of wrestling, and I don't know, like, and like a lot of the greats are dying. So like, there's this one time I was playing hiding it like peekaboo with the Iron Sheik. He didn't get mad at me. I was like prank calling him and shit like that. Do you like? Did you ever have anyone in the locker room that you? where you had this holy shit moment, like when you were first working indies, like who would you say was one of the biggest stars and were they what you expected? Um, my goodness. I'm trying to think of who would have been like a, I guess it'd be Hulk Hogan because his style is such a, uh, you know, it, it, it is, he was the, the epitome of that cartoon style of you and all this. And, and he's a guy who, you didn't see, I, I never saw like, you know, his real name being Terry. I would have never called him that. It's, I think it's the first time I've ever referenced him as Terry. He would always have his Hogan shirts on and and he was never out of character. So, so meeting him was the most cartoon-like. I mean, Rick, Rick Flair either has a suit or whatever, but he's not always dressed like Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan's always dressed like Hulk Hogan. And that was crazy to me. Yeah, I think that it's this whole thing. I, I had this theory with um with James, James, who did I, Brian, I forgot. I speak to so many of them. It's ridiculous. Hmm. Um, Yeah, we have this theory that when you're a wrestling fan, especially when you and I grew up watching wrestling, hmm. you want to see people that could be cooler than you could be, but they're not necessarily, but they look like mm -hmm. stars, right? And mm -hmm. during the whole progression of wrestling, do you think that there's like a decline in people that look like actual superstars? Yeah, so I, I, I wonder how much of that is because we're not children anymore. Um, is, it, is it because we're not, you know, you know like, like it's, uh, the children might still be enamored. Um, I think, though, if if it is different objectively, then I would say the steroids had a lot to do with it, uh, because all of those guys, uh, you know, you look at and not saying they were all on steroids, but saying they were all jacked. So a barbarian, a warlord who they, they weren't uh, 
headlining WrestleMania, they were still jacked. You know, everybody on the card was was either outlandish, like Coco Beware, or they looked like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They were they were unattainable to be something like that. And now the wrestlers and myself included make it look like, well, heck, I could do that. Yeah, I want to see people say that. Heck, I can do that when um when you have like death matches and shit like that. Someone like Necro Butcher <laughs> running around like gigging and stuff. I get so scared every night. Like any night I walk to the ring with Necro Butcher, any night I am ringside, I get so scared for him. You know, because that's someone who went through cancer and nice. is like back wrestling and doing death matches with like kids half our age. So yeah, it's a different world out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> now you did Japan for a while as I, well. I've what? never done any deathmatch wrestling, but I've got uh, a world of respect for those guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the the connection. Uh, I'm just saying I I've got a reverence for these deathmatch wrestlers, despite me never doing that style. But yes, I did do Japan. I did about forty tours of Japan. That's what I was going to say. Because if you went to Japan, didn't they have a lot of deathmatches there, or what was that like? Um, it depends on the promotion. So like the, you know, famously Big Japan was a big deathmatch promotion. Um, I wrestled mostly for Zero One, which was an offshoot of New Japan. Uh, and at that time, it was a strong style promotion of, of uh, you know, realism, uh, submissions and heavy strikes. Um, not that I'm particularly good at any of those, but I, I was over there. Um, so yeah, I never, I never did any death matches. I've never done barbed wire. I've never gone through glass. Uh, I've just done tables and chairs. Yeah, I like that. Just keep it simple. Less uh, mercury. But I, I'm walking through the uh, the security at the airport, and I forgot I had glass in my hair still from like the night before. No. And I see, yeah, they stopped me. I'm trying to explain to them like what this is. I'm like, if you get me my phone, no, you can't touch that. I'm like, it's mercury in my hair. So like I had to flip my hair and I'm doing all this stuff. And like, you see bits of glass coming out. It's like, I don't think people understand the struggle wrestlers deal with. What do you think was like one of the biggest misconceptions like throughout your career that fans have about you? You know, it's like on all the work you put in. What do you think most people don't understand about wrestling? What you go through? Uh, um that uh the biggest mi misconception i think the person who doesn't watch wrestling uh they they say it's you know it's fake and i'm not going to argue so yes it's fake um but that doesn't mean that it, it isn't worthy of respect um people will wear tuxedos to pat themselves on the back to give themselves an award for acting, which has take after take after take with editors and, and, and people to uh, costume designs and all that stuff. Pro wrestlers have to create their own character. They have to do it all in one take and they have to do it while beat up. If, if you're hurting in pro wrestling and you're independent, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you wrestle hurt. And in the NFL or any of these other sports, if you're hurt, they pay you to sit at home. Um, independent wrestlers don't get that luxury. And so a lot of us are, we do it because we love it. And there's a, a, a price that we're willing to pay for it.
Yeah, and I feel with indie wrestling too, what a lot of fans don't understand is there's no health insurance. Well, you were working for Vince and for the other companies. Did you, was there insurance? Like if anything happened, did you have health insurance? Yes, uh, we, we didn't have health insurance in the, the sense that if I got the measles, I was gonna be taken care of. We'd have to get our own health insurance for that. But anything that happened inside the ring, they took care of. Uh, broke my orbital floor on on Christmas. They paid for every last bit of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that part I'm grateful for. And if that would have happened on the Indies, I wouldn't have went to the doctors. I wouldn't have known it was broken. I just wouldn't know it was hurt. My eyeball would be in my cheek by now. Yeah, that sounds a bit too painful for my liking. I can't. <laughs> no. So, I mean, you've had quite the career. You work for Vince. You work with. Uh, you worked with NXT, right? And you mm-hmm. I, I worked for NXT a bit too. Okay. Impact, Did you, yes. know, you were an impact as well. So what would you say? So that whole thing, like transitioning from all these companies, what would you say the culture is in the locker room between these places? Is it almost the same? Did you feel like more uncomfortable in some places more than others? Or you had to deal with more bullshit here or there? You know, I mean, I, I was, the locker room changed over the years. When I was a young man 20 years ago in the locker room, uh, half of those guys that were in that locker room are no longer with us. You know, a lot of them have passed away and there was a, uh, I felt like they, they protected the locker room in the sense that, um, they were going to test you a bit. You, you had to prove that you were, uh, you know, not going to be a detriment to the locker room and you had to earn your stripes. And I was fortunate enough to be able to dress in the locker room. Um, now I would say there isn't the reverence for the vets. I don't know if any of these guys look at, at, at anybody in the locker room as vets. And I've never seen anybody, and, and mind you, I don't work there anymore. Uh, I've never seen anybody ask Roman Reigns, excuse me, sir, can you please watch my match? And uh, that's a travesty. Yeah, that's actually very interesting, that specific point, because it's like the younger generation now just like the ones you see outside with their fucking cell phones doing whatever mm. bullshit. It's the same thing. They don't care what actual seasoned people think. And that is something we lack. Is it arrogance? Is it like, oh, who cares what they think they're older? Like, what do you think that comes from? Or just maybe, you know, everyone's kissing your ass in the office. So you don't have to do anything. And, and, and not just the office. It's on the phone. Um, you, when, when I started, there was no social media. Now there's social media on your phone. Uh, they, and because of that, I don't need to ask this vet if my match was any good. I've got 150,000 followers to tell me I'm good. Um, so who cares what, at this point, you know, the Miz, who's been there for 15 years, or Kofi Kingston, or Randy Orton, these guys who've been there for well over a decade, they should, people should be picking their brains, and maybe they are, and I just haven't seen it. But I, I do know I've asked Brian Danielson, who's considered by many to be the best in the world, or any of these young men asking uh, you to watch the matches. He says no. And, and that's to me that I think that's why wrestling is uh, turned into what it has. Not that it's a bad thing. It's just that's part of the reason it's evolved and what it, or devolved or whatever you want to say, but manifested into what it is now. That makes so much sense. Like I've never heard anyone say that. And I speak to wrestlers all the time. And I think we kind of need to step it back to that. You know, I wouldn't exactly go out. I mean, I remember Abby, Abby the Butcher once, an Abby story. 
I was in the back in the dressing room and there was a younger guy. I don't know what he did. Abby's like, you have to listen to me. You have to take my cues. When I say you do this, you do this then. It's like, mm. I guess he went out and did something totally different. And he was mm. pissed. And I missed that whole thing. Same with New Jack. It's just, you get so many younger people coming in there telling the um, the veterans what to do. And it's, not, it's part of the promoter's fault, I think, too. You know, what was ROH like working, like working for ROH? Was it when Rob was in charge or Gabe? Uh, yeah, I was there on the first shows. Um, so it was, it was, Rob was the owner and Gabe was the booker. I think that's the way the relationship was from the start. And then I was there again when Carrie Silken took over for Rob. I loved it every step. Every time I was there, I had a great time. And uh, well, Gabe has a reputation for yelling at guys. He never yelled at me. And I've always gotten along really well with, with him. And I love Carrie Silken and Rob. I, I like them all very much. Wait a second. Gabe was yelling at people? Oh, he's infamous for that, for yelling really? at, at, at Yeah, but in a way that, 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 that you're saying, a promoter, you know, he asks this, and then these kids go and do their own thing. They're sloppy. Their work isn't good. And he's going to get in their face about it. You know, I wanted this. You're going over time. You're not even, your stuff isn't crisp. You're killing time when you shouldn't be. And I think he was right to yell at these guys. You know, maybe not always, but, but he wasn't entirely wrong. Wow, I have like a whole new level of respect for him. <laughs> I used to run shows against him, not on purpose when I had 3PW, right? Yeah. Um, and contrary to popular belief, yeah, some 500 pound blue haired guy that was not the brain behind anything, just for like the record. Um, so that's so crazy. I had like no respect for him, but now I have the respect that I didn't before. And I personally had no problem with Feinstein I actually missed that video clip of him running, <laughs> running to the car after he was busted. Like, I got to dig that up somewhere. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I got a problem with pedophiles, but like, it's just Rob. It's Feinstein. I'd still work for him. I don't know if that yeah. makes me a bad person, but that's, I think more promoters need to do that. But they feel as though these guys, like the inmates are running the asylum. Mm -hmm. the time. That's what I think is the problem. And you got these small promotions. Didn't you run a promotion at one point? Did you have something going on like that? Yeah, I, I lost it over this last Mania weekend. Not the promotion, but the building I ran in because uh, my toilet was clogged. Uh, so it's the way it goes with these, these uh, shitty little venues. But uh, yeah, I, I run a comedy promotion. Um, used to be monthly. Now it's we don't know when our next date is. What was the name of it? Because I read something about it a while ago, it, actually. Yeah. Wrestling Pro Wrestling. WPW. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> well, it's so it's kind of a goof on that. You know, our slogan is Wrestling Pro Wrestling, twice the wrestling, twice the fun, because it's twice the wrestling. Mind you, our champ has been Ricotta Flair, which is a cheesehead, or Cereal Man, or Sexy Chino, Giraffe Fedora, three-headed giraffe monster uh, attacked the last show. So it's it's kind of a goof on pro wrestling, heavy drama. The wrestling itself isn't so great, but it's just a platform to tell stories. I think that a lot of companies are lacking that, like especially, I think, on the indies, you don't have... The stories coming in, and again, what we we're saying before, it's like goes back to the promoter. If it's Gabe, mm. yeah, he yell, he'll probably yell at you to get it done. I don't know, it wasn't in his locker room. Um, so yeah, that's another thing we miss, which is storytelling and 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 like uh 
there was an age where you had managers as well. Do you think that we've lacked that in the past few years with some of the majors out there, like the AEWs, the the uh, impact things like that? Yeah, I mean, I know that I know there's been a few a few guys who've been doing it, but it seems like it's it's always a struggle, you know. Like Prince Nana, you know, he should have been he should have had work this entire time, and he's just found some work recently with AEW. You know, thank thank goodness. But he's a brilliant manager, and uh, I loved managers as as a kid. I loved, you know, uh, Reverend Slick. And if you had a half dozen guys that were big guys that couldn't talk, and you had nothing for them, you put them with Slick, or you put them with Bobby the Brain Heenan, or Jimmy Hart, and or, or with 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 Sherry or Miss Elizabeth. I, I loved having the the the, the valets as well. Um, I don't even know what you would call Sherry if you would call her manager or a valet. But uh, a manager, a manager, right? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Valets just walk. They don't do anything. Yeah, they're they're typically just arm candy, right? Like like a Miss Elizabeth, I would say, would be a valet because she wouldn't try to draw the ref or anything. Um, I love I love those those. They're usually brilliant talkers. They're really funny and witty and and. They seem like such sleazebags standing behind, you're standing in front of six foot seven dudes, you know, I I love that stuff. Yeah, I miss that. Like, I just feel like we're lacking so much of that these days. And funny thing, Sherry Martel. So I was trained by an actual glow girl to wrestle. And then Monda Guerrero was training me. But because of my size, I was always a manager because you could pick me up and I could take the big bumps easily. No, no big deal. Um, Mm. Sherry was my first mixed tag team match ever. No kidding. Yeah, at an indie, and she was so pleasant and, and such a lovely human being. It, you know, you like you watch some of the greats die. It's like take one of the fucking Kardashians or something. Like take the trash out wherever you're going to put it. I don't care if it's up there or down there or in limbo. Just get it the fuck off the earth. Same thing with Justin Bieber, and they don't do it. You know, it's like they always take the good ones, like the Miss Elizabeths, the uh, the Sherry Martells, Jeff Hanneman from Slayer, people that have talent and add value to the world, right? Mm. So it's just one of those unfair things in life. And I think that's one of the worst things with wrestling is that half the people we're friends with now, they're going to go, you know, and I hate the funerals. Flyboy, like Flyboy Rock or Rock, that was one of the worst funerals they've ever been to. Like it was so gut-wrenching because we worked together and then we were in Jimmy Hart's promotion together and we Mm. bonded as such good friends then and it's just like I didn't want to be the promoter whose show he was coming to and he died like on the way there and that's who that's that person I was that day I was like fuck so it's that guilt that like the Jewish guilt that goes over you um Mm. speaking of which do you think the cancel culture has really ruined careers such as like Joey Ryan um Teddy Hart, Teddy's like his own monster, but still, I mean, there's so much that goes into that shit document. Do you even see Teddy Hart's documentary? Yeah, I did. In, yeah. in fact, I was I was supposed to wrestle a show, uh, and Teddy Hart was going to be on the show. The guy I was wrestling, um, he he's a friend of mine. The guy I was wrestling, but he wanted to back out because Teddy Hart was on the show and all the stuff that was going on. And you know what's happening? I said, No, I don't know what you're talking about. I've known Teddy for years says there's this documentary out i said have you seen it he says no i said well before i decide anything i'm gonna watch this documentary 
And wouldn't you know it, motherfucker, at the end of it, the documentarian says he couldn't have done it. But it didn't matter. There was a headline and, and my opponent backed out and I never got to go wrestle that day because, because of a headline. So yeah, I think it, you know, what do I think about cancel? I mean, I have all sorts of thoughts on it, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is self-preservation. Um, I think, for example, this person who backed out my friend, I don't think he had any problems with Teddy. I don't think he had any issues that, that, you know, the documentary concludes that he couldn't have done it. That didn't matter. He was afraid that he was going to lose bookings being associated with this thing. Man, we have a legal system to take care of all this. I would say the same thing to your point with Feinstein earlier. Well, there's a legal system and the, and the law steps in and, and you know, we all we, we do our time. And if we can't be forgiven, you know, well, then my goodness, you know, why don't, why don't we all just let St. Peter open up our web browser? You know, let's take a look at our history. You know, let's anyways. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, like, I had Joey Ryan on. <clears throat> and of course, like, I was hitting on him and everything. I didn't care, you know, so he didn't need to me. But the thing is, I think I have this theory. I have a theory with Joey Ryan that somebody wanted his spot. And even with your case, too, I think someone, and I'm not saying this because you're here, I said this uh after I met you and someone told me the whole thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. I looked it up. I'm like, somebody wanted his spot. And I think sometimes when these things happen, in the case of Teddy, Teddy's Teddy, but uh, someone is after your spot somewhere. Do you think sometimes when these bigger companies get rid of someone, is it because someone maybe wants their job or maybe they're just afraid of this whole majority of airheads coming after them that don't research things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, for for me it was just the smartest move for the company to make. I, I was my first day at AEW. I had a three year contract. In fact, I had two contracts, three years uh, for that company. Tony Khan apologized to me when he asked me to leave the building. You know, if you, you know, if you wouldn't have quit the WWE and you weren't here now, none of this would have happened. And you know, I, I believe that if, uh, the the stuff I said was stuff I said, uh, you know, wasn't smart. Wish I wouldn't have done it because it it fucked me over in the end. I was trying to be outrageous and 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 uh, create a buzz, and I did. It just took nine years too long for it to happen. Uh, when I said the stuff, it wasn't uh, all that outrageous because Jesse Ventura, the Hall of Famer, had a uh, show called Conspiracy Theory. And this video that these clips were taken from was Brian Kendrick's Conspiracy Theories. Simple as. Um, but if you're a company and you don't know this guy, I haven't brought them in any money, better be safe than sorry. No loss for them. I wish they would have paid out my contracts. That would have been nice. I think that would have been fair, but they didn't see it that way. And I understand, whatever. I don't have the lawyers to fight their lawyers. Um, you know, in the case of Joey Ryan, I think let him have his day in court. Uh, I think that's it. Let the law decide. Uh, press charges. Please press charges. Well, the same thing happened to James Franco. And I could tell you firsthand, like one of those girls was his ex-girlfriend that he was getting a blowjob from. And mm. they were dating at the time. And the other one was like one of her friends. So sometimes it's easier just to pay someone off to make them go the fuck away because you could win. 
You really mm -hmm. can. And with this whole culture of, well, you can't shame a victim. Who's really the victim? Mm. You mm. were a victim of this, Teddy, for sure. He should sue that filmmaker who jacks mm. off in his fucking, his, 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 his basement with, with looking at cat, whatever fucking videos he did, cat videos or some shit. But all in all, had you been, so with the WWE going to AEW, it wasn't such a long run at AEW, unfortunately. Did the WWE bring you back in the back end to do things and they just didn't want people to know? Like, I didn't understand that whole thing there that was going on. Uh, so I was, I was lucky enough to get brought back a couple of times, just two, two occasions to WWE since that AEW firing. Uh, one was at the request of Ronda Rousey to help her out with a match. And the other was at the request of Bad Bunny to help him out with his match. Uh, and that's it. You know, it's kind of a, we'll let you know if we need you. Uh, and in the meantime, I just go and I do my indies. Um, I don't, WWE let me go as a wrestler uh, as soon as they fired everybody from COVID um, back in April of 2020. Um, so I was, a, I was a coach from there. And the reason I left the WWE that time, and it took me, you know, almost two years to quit, is I, I wanted to be a wrestler, and it was eaten away at me. And so I eventually left to go back and pursue wrestling in my mid-40s, which is crazy, because I had a secure job. So I, I can't blame anybody but myself for the situation I'm in. I've, you know, I've asked for every step of it. You can't even go that far. Don't ever feel guilty about things like that. Like I told Joey Ryan this because he kept apologizing. Like you need to stop apologizing <clears throat> like now and like forgive yourself for anything, whether it was sloppy flirting, a stupid photo, <clears throat> whatever it is you need to like start now because that's something from your past. And whoever did that had it in for you. And that person should be the one that's legally liable because why would you put something out? This is like a boxer friend I know. He had, he had an OnlyFans and... um. Someone found his OnlyFans of him getting railed in the ass by another guy. Mm. A really big, tall black guy, too. But uh, someone put that out there in the whole boxing mm. world, which is very small mm. and very homophobic. So he almost killed himself. Damn. Like, where does it like, where do you think this stops? People need to be held accountable. The documentary idiot in uh, Teddy Hart's case. Um, in Jory Ryan's case, the person who called in the whole thing about him working somewhere and these girls that have nothing. And with David Elgin or Brian Elgin, I forgot his first name. Mike uh, yeah. Yeah, he's another one. And I, I spoke to him before anything to hear his whole story. They like, do you think accountability should be going on for the people that are just putting this stuff out there and costs? Like, have you ever wanted to sue the person that did this to you or go after them? No, um, I, I wasn't concerned about suing them because, again, it wasn't. Uh, and one stress, this isn't me apologizing for it. I'm just admitting to what I did. I went and I, I talked as I said, all the, the, the most outrageous stuff I could find, um, and, and expecting a reaction. It was more of a reaction and a very delayed reaction. And it just is what it is. So I don't think anybody lied outside of any sort of claim that says I'm a racist. Uh, those people can go fuck themselves because you can look at my friends and who associates with me they can fuck off but saying that i said these things i did say these things uh if they wanted to equate that to racism again they can go fuck themselves um so no i, I don't have any uh uh desire to sue them 
uh, although I wish I was more financially secure right now. Uh, what I will say is I think that, that all of us were a victim of lockdowns. People were locked down in their houses. And if these incidents happened today, if this stuff came out today, we wouldn't be talking about tomorrow because no one would give a shit. But because everybody was so weird and in their house and social media became more of a person than they became. And they found these, they, they found these uh, monsters to fight, you know, and they're going to be heroes. And so that was it. I think everybody was looking for a reason to, to make themselves a little more interesting than the next person. And sometimes the way you do that is saying that you're a victim of something or being offended makes you special somehow. And I think that that's uh, what happened to a lot of people. That's a very um, good way to put it, is you think you're interesting because this or this could have happened to you. Or maybe some guy said this to you and you're a victim. Oh, my God, you can't stand it. Oh, my God. It's like they expect the rest of the world to live in la la land. And here we are living in reality. You know, the amount of people I could have gone after for sexual harassment mm. or being inappropriate. I mean, my God, if I had a penny for each time, <laughs> I, I don't give a fuck. This thing goes in one ear, out the other. It could go down the street and something says, well, someone says something to me. And the thing is, those rules do not apply to me, to someone like me, unfortunately. And I, I don't want them. I don't want them. I really don't care. Yeah. You know, if, if I already go into the court of law saying that someone sexually harassed me, I'm going to get kicked out. You're going to bring up shit. And that, that's what I, I believe what you said in the pandemic is people found ways to be controversial because their talents couldn't uh, do it. And that's not in your case, by the way, because you're a very talented wrestler. You know, I've seen your stuff before. I've seen your matches. And, you know, you, you, you're being brought back in by Ronda Rousey. How is it working with Ronda, of all people? And I have to ask you how tall she is, because I think she's like, I had a bet with someone. I think Ronda is about five, six, five, seven. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, I'd say that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what yeah, was it like working with her? And like, are you friends with her? <laughs> I, I adore her. I adore her. I think she's awesome. I think she's, I, 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 I love her, her husband, their kids. Um, she is, uh, man, she's smart, right? Like, like, you know, because of how accomplished she is as an athlete, it's assumed that, you know, maybe she doesn't have much else to author, but uh, offer, but she's a brilliant writer. Uh, she's a farmer, uh, you know, uh, and she could be a horticulturist if she wanted to, you know, things I, I don't even know how to spell. Uh, she's great. And, um, and I, she's very, she believes in herself and she has every right to, because she does what she says she's going to do. What were you doing before wrestling? Like, what was your career? Oh, uh, I was a high schooler. I was a high schooler uh, selling pizzas, determined to become a pro wrestler. So I went from high school. My mom asked me to get an AA. I did one year just suffering. And she said, go be a wrestler. So thank you. And off I went. This has been my job. This is what I do. So wait, you're an AA before? I'm sorry. Not, not, not alcohols. Uh, I, oh. I, I meant to say, like my uh, associate arts degree or whatever, like go get your like year diploma from community college my mom wanted me to have some sort of security but she saw that i was just tormenting and wasting time so she uh she supported my decision to go uh be a pro wrestler at 19. 
Wow. Okay. So the only person I know that never went to college and went straight into the arts was Mike Myers. He went straight to Second City in um, Toronto or Chicago. Mm. You, yeah. And look at him now. But I haven't seen anything uh, with him in quite some time. I know he had like a variety show or something. Uh, but, you know, now you're faced with this whole thing. What do I do now that there's no pro wrestling? So you're trying to create your own thing. What else do you do besides the signings? And then do you have any hope at all of trying to get back into AEW or even in the back end of NXT? Behind the scenes? Um, I don't know. I mean, so I, so I had the job behind the scenes. And, of course, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And, and when the bills start piling up, you know, you become real grateful all of a sudden for something you were willing to throw away. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I think they, they wanted me to move to Florida. Um, it, it was never an ultimatum, but I had a feeling it was ultimately going to be an ultimatum. And I didn't want to live in Florida, certainly not at that time. Um, I don't know. I, my, I don't. It's, it's hard enough for me to remember where I've been. So to predict where I'm going is crazy. Uh, what I'll try to do is just be the best wrestler I can be. And then if I got the courage to continue to write i'll just keep writing stuff and and hopefully i'll have the courage to put it out to the world and maybe it'll turn into something but other than that we'll see what happens what are you writing i'm trying to write two different things right now one of them is this uh the story of abbott kenny uh the man who founded venice of america wow and yeah i'm i'm crazy about him he's a boy he's got so many funny stories um, and then the other one is these four guys who went fishing and found this boy, but it's just kind of the, the story of the, uh, the demiurge and, uh, very, uh, thinly veiled story of four of the apostles and the book of Judas. So we'll see how that turns out, but. They're both interesting because like I am, um, I never went to school for writing, but I was writing stuff. I used to write for the Argonaut quite a bit. Like I wrote reviews and stuff and articles. Oh, and nice. it, it was fun, but I read a lot of Dan Fonte. So he, I, my favorite book of his is Mooch. He's another good writer and he was local mm. from the area, right? He, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, now you're right down the street from, I think, Sidewalk Book Cafe on the Venice Boardwalk. You got to do the Abbott Kinney one because that would deserve like a reading there from like local writers. Mm. And I I used to live in Venice on the canal. So Abbott oh. Kinney is amazing. It used to be a really different place in the 90s, by the way. I don't know if you lived there in the 90s or if you were there. Mm -mm. It was one of the best places. You had better stores. You didn't have these, these, these assholes from Snapchat who I wish you just, I wish I could like bomb the fucking Snapchat building wherever it is. Like throw a mold of cocktail. And and by the way, just for legal reasons, this is me saying this, not him, and I'm not really gonna do it. But <laughs> he used to have a freak show on the Venice Boardwalk. Remember the freak show that was I there? Do. The two-headed turtles and yeah. And like, where are these people now? Because of some stupid corporation that has like done nothing but foster mediocrity in this generation. Mm. You know, the guy from is that guy living or dead uh, from Abbott Kinney, the Abbott Kinney guy? Is that his full name? Oh, oh no, he's he's long he's long since dead. Yeah, he uh, uh, Venice of America was uh, opened July fourth of nineteen oh five. Okay, he, he died I think in nineteen twenty three. I think is when he died. See, I miss it. I miss the old Venice when we had like gangs and like gangs like fighting and stuff like that in the boardwalk. <laughs> 
when it was more interesting and you had colorful people around there. It was mm. so much more fun when it was dangerous. Let me see if Snapchat would want to buy up property when we had like Mexican gangs hanging out there. <laughs> Try it then, hipsters. So as far as wrestling, uh, so we know you're going to write some masterpieces. What did you do during the pandemic, by the way, to keep your sanity? Because you seem like level-headed. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm just putting on a good face for right now. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't keep my sanity. Uh, in fact, there was a, a, a point where there was a voice inside my head that, 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 uh, that spoke in a different voice that said, that voice you're listening to isn't your voice. Like, oof. That's kind of losing grip, uh, but I know what that means, so I'm I'm with it. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't do much. I wound up uh, just flying out every week to go train kids in Orlando and have to wear that mask on a plane five hours there, five hours back. Uh, there you have it. Yeah. The mask. I had like an Iron Maiden mask, so at least I had like a cool mask i had my cannibal corpse one so i was it was cool but i wasn't wearing that fucking thing on my mouth it just came out that you can't it didn't even do anything but you have you still have people oh. wearing masks <laughs> i mean it's been known for quite some time but i'm but i don't know i'm 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 no virologist right i know i think there are a lot of doctors right after uh, like right around that time all of a sudden people online were doctors but I think yeah, you know, that was a good way to do it. You're creative. And I saw like, I saw the product. I saw one of the pay-per-views from WWE briefly, like that was being filmed. It was so weird. They look like cartoon characters, almost like really video game. And I felt bad for guys working during the pandemic wrestling because you don't have the adrenaline out there. Oh, it's terrible. And, and you know, for, for guys that are going to, say like we're in a headlock brother i'm lost what's next you can't do that when there's no audience you can't even really whisper uh because it's all going to be heard you know they're going to hear every step that you take on the mat they're going to hear the the buckle squeak when you hit the rope so you can't say duck one give me two you can't do any of that stuff without a crowd yeah i tell, i don't even i don't know if people know how to speak carney these days even like i totally remember learning carny but you don't really use it that much <laughs> no no it's mostly just like kayfabe is the big one kayfabe and it just means shut the hell up yeah but people don't do a lot of the what you'd recognize as snoop dog type stuff with the a's and stuff it doesn't really happen anymore and i wish it would i wish you would just go back to that time when there really was kayfabe and it's uh the funny thing was like new jack one day i'm leaving we we're leaving somewhere out the back of a building and a fan called them by the real name. It's mm. really degrading because at that point, you're no longer like this. You now become human to these people and you shouldn't yeah. be human at any point. He's like, did I tell you you can call me that? I didn't tell you my real name was. You call me New Jack. Mm. And whatever it was, the guy wanted son, he just like threw it across the parking lot. But that, that was New Jack for you. <laughs> uh, do we have any, uh, will you be in any of the episodes of Dark Side of the Ring coming up? Because they're doing season two right now. No, nobody's talked to me about Dark Side of the Ring. I don't know, uh, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, the only people I know that that they've done one on that, you know, personally and close would have been Canyon. I haven't watched his yet. Uh, you know, he was he was a good friend of mine. Um, 
But a lot of these tragedies were in the 80s and stuff from when I was just a fan or even prior to that. So I, I haven't been asked to do anything. And, and hopefully I won't because it's going to be me talking about, you know, a dead friend, most likely. Yeah, that's like the worst thing when they bring these people up on there and just it's it, I think this is what they look for in advice specifically. And uh, it's not always the narrative that you want to put out there in this world about wrestling because it's a great sport. Um Hopefully things change and hopefully we see you back in the ring at some point or even working backstage because you've earned it. And Thanks, uh, you really have. And I mean that I'm not just saying it to be nice because if I don't like someone, I don't put them on the podcast. I think only <laughs> I had someone on I didn't like and uh, you could probably pick up on it too. So <laughs> let's hope your writings go out to the world, especially the Abukini one. I think that's the uh, that'll be the big one because it's a history people need to know. Where could people find you and what do you have coming up as far as signings and, um, you know, wrestling? wise? Yeah, I mean, I know I'm going to be out in El Paso next week. Week after that, I don't remember. I think Detroit. I don't know. I just got random indies coming up. Uh, If you want to book me, though, uh, bkschoolofpw at gmail.com. That's how I get my bookings. Uh, I said, I got, I got nothing, Jasmine. That's it. That's something. Come on. It's still something you're writing. I mean, half these people that you've offended, they can't even construct a full sentence or write anything cool with their lives. That's why they had to say something. And that's the problem with people that want to like dig up shit about people. You have no talent whatsoever. So you got to say something just to, you know, irate people or like stir them up and then maybe make them hate the one person that does have talent. Do people ever bother you at the fan conventions at all and say anything about anything? Never once. Never once. Uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah. So, I, what I, what I, what I believe is this. Uh, I don't think. I don't think anybody was offended. I don't Nobody think anybody. Was. Yeah, I, I don't think they were offended. I think they they found a scandal, and I think it's, uh, and they saw meat being dangled, and I was the meat. You know, it didn't matter about the explanation. I was under contract. uh, Again, it was three years, but it took them three months to release me. And I couldn't uh, release a real statement without them verifying, like, or them approving it. But at the same time, they weren't even honoring the contract. So I had to wait till I got fired to make any sort of statement. At that point, I'm screwed. Um, And that that's just the nature of it. No, nobody was really offended. To those who were, hey man, I'm like I've already I've already did my apology. Um, but uh, no, I think I think people weren't offended. I think people found something exciting, and that was it. It was something exciting, and a lot of them, you know, anybody who would have got excited from let's say it being on Newsweek or TMZ, they didn't know who the hell I was, anyways. So they don't care. They don't remember. You know. It's just you hear these things attached with that, and it's 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 an easy target. You know, like the more you say things, the more like the more this makes sense. Yeah, they needed a piece of meat to dangle. Okay, so you were there at the time. I honestly don't feel anyone was offended. Just like this whole Giselle Shaw uh, incident, so many of these people have phone like camera phones to prove something or just to post it to be cool and get whatever bullshit hits or likes on their thing. Sometimes I wonder if some, some events really did happen or not. Mm. And that's just me. What do I know? Um, 
you know, I lived in an era and did all my stuff before there were camera phones and this thing called the internet, which makes it a little bit cooler and this whole mystique of if something really did happen or not, you don't know. Yeah. It's a whole different world out there, but you seem to be doing well. And, you know, I, I believe in whatever it is you're doing and hopefully someone has the brains and brings you back. And if not, you know, you could always create your own thing. And it's, it's just a matter of going out there and creating, creating and creating and going against the brain. And, you know, that's it. It really is. How do people find you? Um, uh, Mr. Brian Kendrick. Uh, it's Brian with an I. M R B R I A N K E N D R I C K at Twitter. Uh, my wife runs an Instagram. I think it's the same. Okay. Well, that's there you go. There you have it, folks. So do find him and do always like examine facts and everything. Don't always fall for clickbait, like the rest of us, or not us, but just the rest of people out there and be different, you know? But I'm always rooting for the underdog. So no matter what, I root for you. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. You've got me inspired to finish writing. That's what you've done. I appreciate it. You know, it. you have to, you have to, because that, that right there is another outlet people don't expect. And you just have to go and go, no matter what it is, at the end of the day, something always hits. It really does. Thanks, Jasmine. Are you enjoying the ride on my crazy train? Woo! Please make sure to rate and review Crazy Train Podcast. Take a screenshot. Send it to me in a DM via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and I will send you a free goodie bag. Oh! And Crazy Train Podcast is now on YouTube. So subscribe, Crazy Train Podcast, that's with a K, on YouTube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content. Woo!